I've got a box of Kleenex uh, that, that we use here at the office, and um, and these are actually the brand is, is is Kleenex, but they come from I think a paper supply place. And and so I'm going to open it and 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 we'll see if if I have the same experience that I normally have when I open one of these. Um, sometimes you know when you do a live illustration, it doesn't work out. Yeah, see that that's what happened. Is it just it, it 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 didn't open all the way, and 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 you know it's kind of like a metaphor for what life sometimes looks like. Uh, life rarely has uh, uh, clean edges. Uh, life is filled of jagged edges that's unfinished and incomplete, and it just doesn't work the way you want to and the way that you think that it should. And that happens to us over and over and over again. And that's especially true in the death of a loved one, and particularly if that person was a follower of God. The death of a believer is never just a tragedy. There is always an element or a moment of hope. But at the same time, the death of a believer is always a tragedy. No matter how old the person was, there was always, there is always a sense of sadness and heartbreak. Uh, the passing of a loved one leaves an empty place in our hearts. It doesn't matter how much time we had to prepare when we received the news that our dearly loved one has passed, that grief uh, 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 hits us. And often the grief is accompanied by regret. Boy, I should have done this. I could have done more. I should have called. I should have. And that regret kind of weighs on us. And so we have this mixture of uh, happiness and satisfaction knowing that this individual lived a life full of service and uh, full of love. But at the same time, there is that sense of unfulfillment that this isn't the way it was should have gone or that sense of regret of what it could have been. Uh, today's text comes from Deuteronomy chapter 24 uh, verses 1 through 12. This is the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy and these are the last verses of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. They're often referred to as the law, but then even more specifically, the law of Moses or the book of Moses because of his prominent place in these texts. It's the last chapter of Moses' life, and here at sunset for the last ten weeks we've been walking through uh, uh, important moments in the life of Moses. Uh, he was born into royalty. Uh, he liberated the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. Uh, he is the giver of the law, and uh, he is the one that is the focal point of many of these chapters in the book of uh, Moses, the, the Pentateuch. One author writes, Moses spent 40 years learning to be somebody, 40 years learning to be nobody when he was a shepherd, and then 40 years showing what God can do with someone who had learned to be a nobody. Today we're going to read about his death uh, after a full life, uh, 120 years old, uh, spanning three generations. Uh, but there's some things that we will see that are left unfinished that suggests regret and this sense of unfulfillment. 
So I'm going to read from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12, and I believe those verses should show up on our screen. And the word says the following. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and and climbed Pisgah Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, Manasseh, the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan River with Jericho, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Zoar. Verse 4, And then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. Verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in a valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There has never been another prophet, verse 10, in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land. With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of all Israel. And that's how the book ends. That's how the Pentateuch ends. And that's how Moses' life ends. At the beginning of our reading, God took Moses to the top of this tall mountain and showed him all the lands he had promised. Earlier in the book of Deuteronomy, God had promised that he would do that, that Moses had asked and begged and pleaded to see this land, and God said, okay, I will show you this land, this promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. It was going to be a wonderful place for this nomadic tribe of tribe of people that had been wandering through the desert for 40 years, who before their Egyptian slavery were nomadic tribes like the Bedouins, who lived from place to place just following wherever there was water and whether there, wherever there was uh, crops for their animals. Uh, but now they're going to settle in and they're going to live in the land. The people will enjoy, for the most part, their time in the promised land. But Moses will not enter in. Moses will die outside the entrance to the promised land. There is a lot of unfulfillment in his life. You know, many times in life we are right at the threshold of doing something, but we never make it through the door. Why was Moses denied entrance into the promised land? I mean, he had led the people for 40 years. He was the instrument that God used to liberate them from Pharaoh. Uh, He he was the one who talked to God face to face and had this intimate relationship, who interceded on behalf of the people, who stood up for the people over and over and also stood up for God throughout this entire process. If anyone should be allowed into the promised land, it should have been Moses. 
The biblical text indicates that there was something Moses did to violate God's command and his will. And there seem to be two different aspects of this. The first is that Moses was prohibited from entering the land because of the people's sins. And we read about that in chapter 1, verse 36. The verse says, verse, yeah, 1, 37. The Lord was angry with me, Moses says, because of you, talking to the people. He said, Moses, not even you will enter the promised land. And then later in chapter 3, the same thing is repeated. Because of the people's sins, God was going to hold Moses responsible. Because many times our sins do have consequences and do have ramifications for others. But not only because the people's sins, but we also know that Moses had his own sins. And perhaps that's what was going to keep him out of the promised land. A couple weeks ago, we read the story of where God told Moses to strike the rock with a staff. And from that rock, then we had a spring of water water that uh, uh, watered all of the people and the animals. Well, another time the people were thirsty and uh, God told Moses to speak to the rock. But Moses, out of anger, perhaps out of frustration, struck the rock and he actually struck it twice and then water came forth, and God points out that that act of, uh, uh, of disobedience was also a factor in him not entering into the promised land. You know, it kind of seems unfair, at least to our modern ears. We know Moses wasn't perfect, but this seems harsh. For a man who had done so much for God and so much for his people, But you know, much of life is like that, ragged. Much of death is unfulfilled and leaves us feeling incomplete. Ragged edges, questions that are unanswered, and a sense of unfulfillment and regret. The text says that after 120 years, even though Moses was in great health and had wonderful eyesight, better than me, with my years half his age, Moses died at God's command or as God said, depending on the version you read. It almost sounds like God made him die, which sounds a bit harsh again. But the Hebrew actually literally means he died at God's mouth. And, and, and there is a text in the Hebrew Midrash, which is a commentary, an ancient commentary going back to the first centuries of, uh, of time, where it suggests that Moses died from a kiss from God, that God knew that Moses' time was up, and God gave him a kiss, and then Moses passed from this life. And then the text says that God buried him. God buried his old friend, who he knew face to face, but he buried him in an unmarked grave. You know, we all want stories that end nicely, (laughs) with nice, clean edges, Boy meets girl, girl gets boy, they live happily ever after. 
The war is over, the troops march home, everyone waves flags of victory, and there's a new world order. Christopher Lasch wrote a book entitled The True and Only Heaven, where he does a study of American culture, and he suggests that the grand narrative, the grand narrative for our entire country is this belief in progress, that we're going to come out on top, that things are going to work out. Progress is our story. We can be done with our past and we can enjoy a certain future that is going to be beautiful and perfect because we can control it and make it happen. And Lash points out that deep down most of us know that that's a lie, (laughs) that it's not going to happen that way, but we still want to believe it. In just a few weeks, we're going to have an election. Many of you have already voted. We want to believe that come November 4th, there will be a smooth transition or a smooth continuance, whatever it looks like. After the election, the people on both sides of the aisle will come together and shake hands and embrace and make a decision to be unified for the best of our country. Deep down, we know that's not going to happen. We want clean endings. We want clean edges in life, but life (laughs) is messy. And rarely do we get that lasting and permanent satisfaction. Many of you will remember the movie Dead Man Walking. It's a true story about a Catholic nun, Sister Prejean, or Prejean, and who is opposed to the death penalty and walks with prisoners on their way to the execution chamber. And one of the reasons with inter- in interviews later that she expressed, one of the reasons she said she's against the death penalty is because it doesn't really help the victim's family. The victim's family are present at the execution and they want to believe that seeing the death of the one who murdered their loved one would give them some closure. And what really happens is that they don't get closure. And what they want is that person to die again. And they want to execute that person again and again and again. You know, our legal system, we we hope that And we long for that sense of satisfaction and compensation. But the reality is that no legal system can undo wrong that has been done. The the story of the death of Moses is a story of unfinished business. And it's frustrating. It leaves us lacking because we want clean endings. We want the story to end with the words something like, And Moses led the people of Israel into the promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey, and they lived there happily ever after. But that's not the story the Bible gives us. God knew that Moses' work was done, and God knew it was time for a change in Israel's leadership. 
God knew that the people of Israel were going to face new challenges and they needed a new leader for these new challenges. And God knew that the people of Israel had a tendency to look back. They looked back to Egypt when they were in the desert. And once they were in the new land, they would have been looking back to Moses and the time that he led them. And so God decided that Moses' time was done. There's a sign at the entrance to Winchester Cathedral in England which says, You are entering a conversation that began long ago before you were born and will continue long after you are dead. That sign reminds us that life is a conversation. It's a journey. Uh, It didn't start with us and it won't end with us. We are a part of this larger journey. And those of us who who have a life of faith uh, uh, know that we are stepping into and stepping onto the path of faith that has begun many, many years ago and will continue many years after us. This path of faith has led us to moments of great satisfaction and joy, but it has also led us through some very, very dark shadows and valleys, even the shadow and valley of death. Moses died. God buried him. And we don't know where. But this much we do know. The journey of hope upon which Moses and the Hebrew children set out continues before us today. That's the path we are on. And as we think about who we share the path with and those who are alongside us in this journey, we think of ways that we can instruct and guide and bless them. And so we find ways to bless our children and our grandchildren. We find ways to interact with newcomers on this way. We find ways to include more and more. Because this is a conversation. It's a journey. And we're all a part of it. Moses makes one last appearance in Scripture. And it's on another mountain. The Mount of Transfiguration. And on that mountain he talks with the new Moses. The improved Moses. The better Moses. Jesus himself. And the scripture says that Jesus was talking about his departure. The word in Greek that is translated departure is the word exodus. So the old Moses is talking to the new Moses about his exodus from this earth. Moses had helped prepare the way, had helped pave that journey for the Savior of the world to come. And then he had the blessing and the opportunity to meet up with that Savior in the promised land. On this side of heaven, life is unfinished and full of ragged edges. We're left with a sense of wanting, with a sense of regret. On the other side of heaven, we have the full satisfaction and knowing that our life, our real life, will be realized. It will be finished. And all of the edges will be clean and pristine and will be perfect. 
If we were live and in person, I'd have Randy come and lead us in. Don't you want to go to that land? Don't you want to be a part of that journey? If we can help you, please let us know. Send us a text, call the office, send us an email. We're all on this journey together. On this side of heaven, (laughs) we get ragged edges. On the other side, we'll be with Jesus, Moses, and all of those in this wonderful promised land. May God bless you today as we continue this journey together. Our our brother Jeff Henson is here, and he will uh, work through some prayer requests with us and then lead us in a prayer to close out our assembly. God bless you.